0: okay first corinthians chapter seven uh uh oh we got a something to consider for before we start uh okay previously we'd already studied chapter seven you got to take the entire chapter together actually with chapter eight but anyway uh, the first part was to marry or not to marry that was a question they asked paul verses 1 through 7, and in addition that they ask some particulars. Uh, The next part is divine guidelines for marriage, a a good rule to follow during the present distress. Don't lose sight of that present distress. It's not for all time, just for that time. Uh, Coming up next, or perhaps a time like it, Uh, Right now, we go on to Christians and uh, social revolutions, Uh, getting involved with, uh you did that on purpose. He must be a criminal. Try to help a guy out and get in trouble, huh? He face shores, really. Uh, Christians and social revolutions is what's coming up now. True success, uh, self made man. That's how we figure it. Uh, The successful person, the person uh, who has lifted herself up by their bootstraps, all kinds of sayings for it. Uh, We consider these people to be uh, uh, self made people, to be successful people they ran the race of life and, and they were winners. And uh, I think just because you know, we're, we're right in the middle of everything that you know, this becomes at least somewhat our definition too, uh, though we're not proud of it when we think about it like times like these. Uh, The Christian obligation in life is to evangelize the world. This gets dropped somewhere along the line. Uh, The true, truly successful life is the life that accumulates the most toys. But when we think about it soberly and rightly, uh, our purpose is to evangelize the world. That's what we're here for. When you stop and think about it, if we're not evangelizing the world uh, what good reason is there to have tomorrow think of it from the Lord's point of view Uh, if we're not evangelizing the world why have tomorrow what's the purpose of it when you think about it from the Lord's point of view if we're not evangelizing the world. Uh, there is no reason to have tomorrow. Might as well stop it right now. Uh, evangelizing the world is in our best interest, at least for the short time, for the time being. Uh, Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his mission. Uh, that's in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples. That was uh, the obligation he gave to his apostles. They were to make disciples. They were to teach them then to observe all things that I have commanded you. Uh, It's like a cycle. Uh, Make disciples, teach them, let them make disciples and teach them. Let them make disciples and teach them, and suddenly we're in the year 2023. Uh, It's run that way for 2,000 years now, but that's the purpose of it. Today, uh, churches, it seems, are mostly in the business of revolutionizing the world, Uh, not necessarily with the Great Commission in mind. Other things uh, are top priority with a lot of groups. Uh, A popular concept today, Christians are to affect social, economic, and political change in this world. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, We're supposed to be involved in um, the social problems that the world faces. Uh, The jobless rate, discrimination, racism, Etc., etc., etc. We're supposed to eradicate the world of all these things. Uh, that's the way uh, a lot of religious groups look at it. That's what their mission is. And yet, we don't read anything about that in the Bible. Uh, it, the things that go on in this world are not really uh, our business because we are not of this world. And that's hard. To get that into our minds because uh, we live here, you know, we work here, we raise families here, uh, we're in the world, and at the same time, we're not to be a part of the world. That's very hard. It's very hard to keep our nose on our face because we want to stick it in somewhere, uh, somewhere at least that we think is important. Uh, but the Lord said, My kingdom is not of this world. John 1836, he continued, "If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. We belong to Jesus. Uh, his kingdom, he said, was not of this world. that's why we don't get that's why we don't fight against the establishment, so to speak. Uh, we don't draw swords and draw blood. Uh, it's not our world, in a sense. It belongs to the people that, who live for it, whereas we do not. Um, and it's hard to keep that distinction between the two kingdoms. Therefore, he said, my servants just will not fight. They're not going to engage in business that's not theirs even when it came to the defense of the son of god he said you're not going to do it Uh, we're not a part of the world we're a part of another world the kingdom of god is like a world within a world Uh, it's it's challenging to keep in mind Uh, the interest of christians lies within the interests of the kingdom of god what things are the lord interested in? What things uh, does he advocate for? Uh, A lot of people get upset saying that uh, Christ favored uh, slavery because he never repudiated it during his ministry. I believe his response to such people would be, my kingdom is not of this world. That has nothing to do with my kingdom and he simply did not engage in it. What he did was teach his disciples how to get along with it, how to look at uh, all Christians as your brother. Rather than looking at them as a slave, you see them as your brother. Instead of them eating out with the pigs, they would eat with you because they're your brother. Uh, He didn't teach revolution he didn't teach them to, to just set all slaves free. He didn't even mention that to Philemon, that he had to let Onesimus go, just that he had to treat him like a brother. Uh, when it came to uh, world affairs, uh, the Lord uh, stayed the course. He always sought to seek and say that which was lost. That's how he behaved. And that's the way we ought to behave as well. It doesn't mean we don't have opinions about things. It doesn't mean we don't have uh, interests in various things. It doesn't mean that as an individual I may not be involved in some things. What it means is as a church, our purpose, our mission has to do with the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is where the interest of a Christian is supposed to lie, not in the things of the world. Uh, That's why I believe our Lord didn't get involved with the issue of slavery. At the time he lived, it wasn't a crime like it is today in so many people's eyes, just the way things were. They didn't look at it as good and evil, bad and and awful. Uh, They saw things uh, as it was and only involve themselves in things of their, that their interests lie in. Paul said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world. Change your way of thinking. Learn to think like the Lord of thought on a higher plane, a higher level. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. Uh, This isn't where our interests are. Learn to think about those things that are important to God. Make them your top priorities. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Uh, In our context, 2 Timothy 2, of course, he's talking to the preacher. The preacher is not to engage in warfare, entangling himself with the affairs of this life. His interest, his focus is supposed to be on the master, and his interest lies with seeking to save that which is lost. Jesus is the king over his kingdom. As a matter of fact, he's the king over both kingdoms one kingdom recognizes him whereas the other does not but we have a king he reigns much higher than a president and uh, that's where we get our marching orders we are to be in the world but not of the world It's like a like a boat in the water we're in but not really not really in just like a man who's in a boat. He may be in the lake, but he's not of the lake. He's not a part of the lake. It's hard to do, I think. It's always been challenging for me to do, and not getting overly involved in things that really weren't my affair, but uh, this is what we're to aim for. And this is what Paul is teaching in our in our text right here. As God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called to each one, so let him walk. The English Standard Version I think is a little easier to understand. Uh, in the same very same verse, we have only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. In other words, the Lord has assigned us our place in this world and he has now called us to walk in that place uh, and that's what we are supposed to do. Wow. This is my rule in all the churches or as the King James says, so I ordained in all the churches. Notice even a little statement there that seems almost non-consequential. What Paul is saying is he teaches the same thing in all the churches. You can't do that today. At that time, you could. You could teach the same thing in all the churches, but today you can't, and that's because of the concept of denominationalism. It just doesn't permit it. Uh, you can't teach what we believe in the Pentecostal church, for example. It, it just won't fly. But back then it did fly and that's exactly what the apostles did. They taught the same rule in all the churches because the Lord intended for all people to walk by, live by the very same rule. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it's almost impossible today, at least for those who never heard of truth The apostle, uh, he expounds further on the matter uh, so they can understand exactly what he's getting to. Was anyone called uh, while circumcised? There were a lot of circumcised Jews, of course, at the time. Was anyone called to be a Christian as a circumcised Jew? What does he do? Well, let him not become uncircumcised. The thought might be, "Hey, in the church, circumcision is nothing. Uh, why are you circumcised? You need to undo your circumcision. You need to resort back to where you used to be." Uh, I've heard this ar- ar- argued about uh, uh, tattoos and things of that nature. To be a Christian, you know, you gotta rid yourself of all your tattoos. Uh, people uh, today, a lot of people have a lot of tattoos. And uh, according to the thinking of some, as a Christian, you've got to rid yourself of all those tattoos. Well, right here is the verse for you. What did Paul tell these Jews? Were you called to be a Christian as a circumcised Jew? Well, you don't have to undo your circumcision. That's neither here nor there. And I think the same rule would apply to tattoos. You don't have to remove tattoos in order to be a Christian takes place in the heart, right? Circumcised the heart, that's where the action's at. It all takes place in the heart. Some people become Christian, but they've never been circumcised in the heart. Other people, they're, 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 they're filled with, they look like a walking billboard, but they've been circumcised in the heart. Who's closer to God? You know, I know, we all know, Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Well, you were uh, an uncircumcised Gentile. Does that mean in order to get along with the Jews you have to be circumcised? No, no. Let him not be circumcised. You don't have to be uncircumcised. You don't have to be circumcised. You got two rules going on throughout the churches. One group says you've got to be circumcised. The other one says you've got to be uncircumcised so that we'll all be the same. We'll all be as one circumcision, he continues, is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, it's got nothing to do with anything. Whether you're circumcised or not, it makes no difference. Why? It takes place in the heart. It doesn't have anything to do with the flesh. It's not what you look like, it's what you are. Like Martin Luther King said one time, it's not the color of your skin but the content of your character. This is what really matters. Keeping the commandments of God. This, Paul said, is what matters. Doing the things the Lord would have us to do. And it's important to understand what it is the Lord would have us to do. Uh, you know, we all got opinions. I understand that. But we have to know the difference between our opinion and the law. I've got opinions on about everything under the sun. But I've got to make a distinction. I've got to know what my opinions are and keep them separated from all because we're talking about eternal matters then. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Boy, you think that hasn't stirred a ruckus? Whew. Man, oh man. There's so many preachers in our brotherhood that this is their arguing point. Remain in the same calling in which you were called. course uh, the biggest issue of all is uh, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Uh, Guy's been married five times. Uh, Five times he's been married and uh, he didn't have a justifiable reason to be divorced any of the five times. Where does that leave him? Paul said remain in the same calling in which he was called. He was called as a person who had been unjustifiably divorced five times. Well, what's he supposed to do? He's living with the sixth. Well, he's supposed to remain in the calling in which he was called. He's supposed to remain with this sixth woman. The slate's clean. The slate's clean. Kind of sounds right, don't it? But it's not right. It's actually very wrong. Uh, that's not what Paul's talking about at all. Got to keep it in context. Remember, you, well, you got to remember the context. I drive you crazy about it. Were you called while a slave, but do not be concerned about it. If you if you were called to be a Christian and you were a slave, you don't have to become a free man. Don't worry about it. But if you can be made free, well, use it. Otherwise, don't worry about it. You don't have to find a way to escape. Uh, if you are called while being a slave, uh, be the best slave you can be. That would be, uh, I believe, his instructions. But if you get the chance, freedom's better than slavery, of course. He who is called in the Lord while a slave, he's the Lord's freedman. He uh, he was called to be a Christian, and he is a slave. He's owned by other human beings. But in the eyes of the Lord, he has been made free. Free, of course, from the bondage and the consequences of sin. Likewise, he who is called while free. Well, he's not really free at all, is he? No, he's Christ's slave. Uh, It's just a matter of details. There's no such thing as a free man. There's no such thing as a person who is independent there's no such thing as a person who raises himself up by his own bootstraps. Uh, it's folly to even think of it that way because every single person alive is depending on someone else to stay alive. And whether a body knows it or not, we depend on God for the rain and for the sun and for everything else. We're all in bondage. Some of us know it, most of us do not. We boast of freedom you were bought at a price the price was the blood of christ of course and you were made free from the bondage the shackles of sin do not become slaves of men do not be enslaved to men you've been you owned by the lord jesus do not be in bondage to another if you can keep from it brethren let each one remain with god in that state in which he was called. Well, that means the man who's on wife number six, he doesn't have to dissolve that union, though he's been unjustifiably divorced five times. That's what Paul's saying. No, that's not what Paul's even talking about. What was he talking about? Talking about circumcision and uncircumcision. He was talking about being a slave or being free. What if a man was called while he was drunk? Does that mean he's supposed to remain in that state of drunkenness? When people uh, abuse the scriptures, uh, if you run things to their logical conclusion, you can see the folly of their theories. Uh, They just won't stand. You have gotta keep it in the context of what the apostle was talking about before it can make any sense at all. The unmarried and widowed. Uh, Reasons for remaining unmarried. Oh, this was uh, Paul's logic. Uh, Paul gives six reasons in our text to remain single. During the present distress, okay? During the present distress. It's not for all time. It was a hard time at that time. And he gives six reasons why it would be advisable to remain unmarried. Don't press this on anybody today. The pressure of the system of marriage, the world and everything that's involved. Uh, There's a lot of pressure to uh, be a married person at this particular time. The problems of the flesh, uh, perhaps imprisoned, perhaps beaten, perhaps put to death. There were a lot of problems that people were facing just because they were Christians, and that makes it hard on marriages. The passing of the world. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what this has to do with remaining unmarried other than the fact that there's another world to look forward to, the best is yet to come. But uh, other than that, I'm not exactly certain of the value of remaining unmarried because of this. The preoccupations of marriage. uh, If you're married, who comes first? Well, the Lord does. Well, the Lord's supposed to. But if you're married, who comes first? Sometimes uh, we're unable to face reality. And that can be a problem. Number five, the promises that were given to the fathers. And then number six, the permanency of marriage. Uh, These are the things that the apostle is going to uh, touch on. Uh, Verse 25, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord. What does that mean? That means uh, the Lord never spoke on the matter. He never spoke about the subject. Yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Uh, He has given him the uh, opportunity of revealing truth on behalf of the Lord. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, uh, because of the situation at hand, that it is good for a man to remain as he is, unmarried. Are you bound to a wife? Well, do not seek to be loosed. Don't look to separate yourself from her because of the problems you were talking about. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not go looking for another one. Uh, could be loosed because of uh, an infidelity on a part of the wife. Could be loosed because his wife died. At any rate, don't go looking for a wife at this particular time. Problems of the flesh. Even if you do marry, you have not sinned. It's not a sin to marry? If a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Paul has just said he believed it best not to marry, but if you do marry, you haven't committed a sin. Nevertheless, you will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. And those are the problems uh, that we discussed a second ago. Uh, this is from the Greek term, Philippicis. It means, uh, literally, it means pressed together under pressure. Uh, These are the kinds of troubles that squeeze from the outside in, not internal marital problems, but external problems that uh, make it hard on a man and a woman. Uh, The passing of the world. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none. The time is short. That's his reasoning. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it for the form of this world is passing away. He's talking about the brevity of life. Uh, I don't think I understand why that's injected into this context. Somebody got an opinion? I've read a lot of opinions from commentators, and I don't know, I, I didn't find anything I thought was worth passing on to you. Uh, the preoccupations of marriage, verses 32 through 5, I want you to be without care, not having the problems of a husband or wife, not having to worry about uh, buying food for the supper this evening, not having to worry about cooking food for supper this evening. I want you to be without the cares that comes with a married life. He who is unmarried, well, he cares about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married, He cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And, you know, that's the way it is. That's the way it has to be. If you love your wife like you love your own flesh, how could it be otherwise? I mean, the Lord, of course, will come first, but the wife is going to be right up there pushing close. I don't see how it could be otherwise because of the uh, oneness that's involved in marriage. Um, I always have my mind on BR, no matter what I do. She's always a part of the equation. Uh, I don't know how it could be otherwise. And maybe the kind of person I'm supposed to be, kind that likes to go to sleep without worrying about getting hit in the head with a hammer that night that uh, I don't know how it could be any different. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and in spirit, but she who is married, well, she cares about the things of the world. She has to. She's got a family to think about. How she may please her husband Of course, it goes beyond a husband or a wife. you got kids now. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. If you're unmarried, you can give yourself completely to the Lord. If you're married, you can't. It's basically that simple. Then there's the promises of the Father. If any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, the American Standard Version says toward his virgin daughter. It stands alone in that the best I can find out, but I think it's correct. I think that's actually what the text is talking about. Uh, Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Just keep that in the back of your mind as we go, press on with it. If any man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, it's come a time in her life when she's supposed to be married, and thus it must be that she get married. Let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Is it the man and the woman? Or is it a man yeah. letting yeah. loose of his daughter to be yeah. married to another man? At the time, a daughter couldn't get married without her daddy's permission. If he said no, she wasn't getting married, it didn't matter how bad she wanted to either. And if she did get married, they'd hunt her down. It didn't, their rules d- doesn't apply. Our rules don't apply to them. Uh, the father uh, had to bless the union before there would be a union. Usually involved a dowry, but not always. Uh, if she's passed the fire, if she's, it's time for her to be married, let the man do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry if that's what they choose to do. The English Standard Version says if anyone thinks he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. You can see from the English Standard Version that they don't think this has anything to do with the daughter. If a man... If a man's passions are getting the better of him, then let him marry this woman. He hasn't done anything improper as of yet. When it gets to that point in time, he needs to get married. That would be what the English Standard Version is putting forth, and it's very reasonable. It's very reasonable. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart holds his ground, having no necessity to marry, but has power over his own will and can control his passions. He can say no to his desires and, and has so determined to do so in his heart, he will keep his virgin. that a man will, what, keep dating his virgin girlfriend or that a man will keep his virgin at home? You see how, how closely together they run right there. He does well. Fiance or father, it's hard to tell from that verse. It's really hard to tell. I don't know that I really came to a, a real solid conclusion on the matter. So then he who gives her in marriage, well, he does well. Well, that would be the father, of course. He who gives her in marriage has done well, but he who does not give her in marriage, he does better. Better off to keep your daughter at home than to allow her to marry. Why? Because of the present distress. Your daughter won't suffer the problems. She's going to suffer because of the present distress, because of the times that we live in. It's so rough right now. You're better off if you don't allow your daughter to marry. That's the way he's speaking. Okay, permanency of marriage. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. The law, bound by the law, where God is joined two together and they become one. As long as her husband continues to live, she is bound to her husband and he's bound to her. If he dies, she is free to marry who she wishes, only in the Lord, what does this mean, in the Lord? Does this mean only a Christian? She can marry only a Christian? Uh, a good many of our brethren uh, are of that persuasion. Um, I, maybe most, I think, would be safe. Uh, she is at liberty to marry to whom she wishes, only they have to be a Christian. Uh, She's been married for 30 years, her husband dies, she can marry again but she has to marry a Christian. Uh, For years, I held that view. I thought that's the way, or I thought that's the way what Paul was talking about. Uh, I don't know that I believe that any longer. I think it's the best course, of course. I think it's the best course. I think it's the best course if a single girl marries a Christian man. I think that's the best thing to do. Would I say that if she doesn't, she's not really married in the eyes of the Lord? No, I wouldn't say that, would you? I wouldn't say that, well, it must not be a law. If it was a law, she either has to marry a Christian or not. If it's a law, but most all of us are of the opinion, yes, we think it would be best if you married a Christian, but if you don't, you're still married. And we recognize you as married. Well, obviously, we don't think it's a law, Well, if that's what we're thinking about the person who's never been married before, why all of a sudden does it now become a law? You gotta be careful when it comes to making laws. I don't wanna make any laws. I'm not intelligent enough to know all the repercussions of such a decision. Uh, She who is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord, what would in the Lord mean if that's not the case? Uh, what what's the conclusion we're to draw? I believe in the Lord has to do with in the will of God. She's at liberty to marry whoever she wishes, but she has to do so in the will of God. What does that mean? Well, it means she can't be a, an adulterer. She can't marry, why? Because that's contrary to the will of God. She has to marry a man who is uh, the Lord permits to be married. The thing, the thing that we have to learn is keeping the, the mind of God in our mind. There are, uh, there are people in the world that from our perspective they can get married if they want to, but from the Lord's perspective they can't. They can't get married. And the reason is, is because they're already married to somebody and somebody will laugh and say, well, that was three husbands ago. Well, to us, it was three husbands ago. To the Lord, it goes back to that first one. Well, God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Divorce didn't take. The state of Tennessee said it did. We, we go on about our business she has two marriages since then, but in the eyes of the Lord, she's been married the whole time. That's why she's considered to be an adulterer. You can't be an adulterer unless you're cheating on your spouse or you're, you're with a person who is married to another. How could it be adultery? And yet we're taught that the woman who marries a man who is not eligible to be married, she becomes an adulterer. How could it be adultery? There has to be a marriage there somewhere. There is. Whoever the Lord first married her to, she's still married to him until God brings us under. Those those are not just words. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. It's a statement of fact. It can't be done. Well, yeah, but the laws of the state says it's okay. laws of the state don't matter. The laws of the country don't matter. They all play second fiddle to the divine law. Everything comes in behind divine law. So the person whom she may be considering to marry. Is he an adulterer? If so, she's not at liberty to marry him. She can marry in the Lord or in the will of God. But when we say that she has to marry a Christian, we have to be careful because we're opening a can of worms. We don't want to open because it gets way too complicated I used to think that way and I had too many questions I couldn't answer until I finally drew the conclusion I was wrong and uh, I had a change of attitude in the matter. Uh, Think about it. Don't rush it off too quickly. Uh, Think about it before you uh, dismiss my idea. We'll, uh, We'll quit right there and take it up in a minute in our next service.